Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Is that Hotep Jesus dude? Hold on, hold on. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. And we got one more on the soundboard. Do you think I don't love Hotep Jesus? I love that guy. He's terrific. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. First of all, for all of our sippers, we're going to start this cast off with a simultaneous sip. Absolutely wonderful. Real quick, let me pay the bills. HotepCon tickets on sale right now. HotepNation.com. It's our annual event for Hotep Nation. Go there. Uh, shout out to my sponsors, Syscoin, the best of Bitcoin, the best of Ethereum. You want to be in, that, be in that ecosystem. Amazing project happening over there. Get in tune. And for all men, menoforder.com is your destination. Today we have a controversial topic with none other than Scott Adams. Scott, what's up, man? How you feeling? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. You're doing great. In the middle of this fire you're starting, doing great. Oh, I forgot I'm supposed to be feeling bad about all this. Uh, you know, one of the things I've uh, realized about myself, mm -hmm. I like attention. I, I just kind of like it. But I'm also kind of an energy monster. Mm. So the more energy they send me, the more I have. So we'll see what happens with that. Well, I think succeeded in that. Um, <laughs> you, you've turned into more than an energy monster. This is an energy demon, you've, <laughs> you know, uh, based upon what I've seen on my timeline. But before we get into that, I want to ask you something. This is my own personal question. A lot of the other questions are from reading the room, seeing what people are saying. But what I want to know is, um, the identifying as black. When did that come about? Cause that took me off. I was caught off guard with that. When did that happen? How did that come about? Why'd you make that decision? So I'm, I'm trying to remember when it was, but several years ago, I said, I'm going to identify as black. Now, part of the reason was that I could, it was just an option, right? Uh, so I thought, well, that sounds good. But then I thought I could get the best of both worlds. If there's anything ever that's like, you know, rationed by race, I can say, well, I identify as black. And if people wanted to treat me as white because they, they like that, they'd look at me and say, well, I think he looks white. So I thought I could get the best of both worlds sort of a mix. But but the the less funny, the less funny answer is that I was spending tons of time working on things that were directly for the benefit of the black community. So a lot of the things I was advocating for. So for example, I a lot of people don't know that I'm left wing. A lot of your audience is going to be confused because the, the headlines are saying I'm a right-wing MAGA guy. Yeah, uh, I'm actually uh, endorsing uh, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy for president, uh, okay. primarily because I'm a single-issue voter on fentanyl. He's pretty tough on fentanyl. Hmm. But uh, what people don't know is I'm super left-wing. I volunteered to work for Black Lives Matter, helped uh, Hawk Newsom try to craft some useful policies that the right and the left would, would agree on. Stuff like body cams, I thought, wow, you know, there's this problem of police brutality. What if more police had body cams? So I tried to work with Black Lives Matter to see if we could get something going. Now, it didn't take long to find out that Black Lives Matter was a sort of a not legitimate organization. <laughs> so long, long before the headlines verified it, my brief encounter uh, it was clear that they were not 
you know, focused on any kind of solutions. <clears throat> I'm not sure if everybody knows that, but that's that's pretty well established. When Cap when uh, Colin Kaepernick was doing his uh, kneeling, I'm probably the only person I know who supported it who wasn't black, because I thought it was a really effective sort of you know get in your face kind of protest. And I was confused why people didn't understand that the offensiveness of it was why it works. That's like the whole point. So to me, that looked brilliant. And I also offered to see if I could help on the issue. Now, I didn't get any traction on that. Um, the things that I work on the most, I'm actually investing in right now, is a curriculum for homeschoolers that would teach strategy for success. Now, the strategy for success is what I'm getting in trouble for. Uh, we'll talk about that. But it's primarily for Black youths who didn't have, and largely because of systemic racism. I think this is one of the, one of the, the most valid parts of systemic racism is the lack of, let's say, role models of exactly the, the financial type that you want, specifically financial. And I thought, well, if I could be you know, part of that solution, the, the book, one of the books behind me tells young people how to succeed and create a, st a strategy. And so I worked on that. I'm trying to finish that up to make that available. Um, I've been promoting the end of systemic racism in teachers' unions because I think the teachers' unions are what prevent um, competition for schools, and the lack of competition creates everything bad, right? Everything good comes from competition in the free market. Everything bad comes from the opposite, you know, history says. Uh, I was big on prison reform, very much in favor of the Jared Kushner efforts there. Um, and I've even argued in writing for reparations, because I thought the arguments for reparations were weak. And I thought it would be useful to say, what's the, the strongest argument for reparations? So we'd have a valid discussion. So that's sort of the background. So doing all of that work on behalf of one community primarily, I thought, well, I like being on the winning team, and I like I like the issues. I think that they're the ones that have the most leverage in society, because I think if you help the people, th this is the basic thinking. If you can help somebody go from unemployed to employed, that's the biggest change you can make. If you give somebody a 20% raise, it's like, well, you know, nice. But going from unemployed where we paid for you to live to where you pay for yourself to live, that's everything. So if you're looking at the well-being of the country, it makes sense to focus on the, the people who are in the deepest hole in a sort of a twofer, because you could you know, maybe heal racial tensions by being serious about Black Lives Matter. Like, why not take it seriously and invest in the thing that would make a difference? Now, my personal opinion is that systemic racism is the reason that it's hard for people to get along. And this is sort of the underpinning of what we'll probably talk about in a minute. But the, the biggest form of systemic racism is that the school systems are a complete failure for Black Americans, but anybody who's you know poor and in inner cities and Black places. So it's not entirely a Black thing. But uh, to me, that's the biggest issue maybe in the country. The, the poor quality of the school system, specifically for the underserved community. So that, that's that been you know, my focus for years, and I put my money and my time behind it. Okay, if you don't mind, I want to unpack a few things you said there. First of all, 
I want to come back to how you figured out black BLM was, you know, not maybe not legitimate. But I do want to say that Hotep Nation, our focus is homeschooling. We're a nonprofit organization, tax exempt. Um, I homeschool my kids and um, I'd love to work with you uh, on uh, on that regard. Right. That that topic. So I'd love to. let's put that aside really sec- uh, for a second. BLM, you said, was not legitimate. Um, I said this 2015 and prior. Um, how did you feel, uh, realize that? I realized because any effort to put on paper, uh, here are some ideas, like in a, a real useful way, got, got the kind of resistance that you wouldn't expect from anybody trying to solve a problem. Now, I don't want to, um, out of respect, I would rather not talk about a private conversation. Right. Uh, I think that's appropriate. Yeah. But uh, let's let's just say uh, privately, I learned that it was a money grift. <laughs> so yeah, it was not my opinion. That's that's what I learned. Um, real quick, that's how Thomas Sowell became a capitalist. He tried to um, he he got a job in a labor department, wanted to fix minimum wage, and realized pretty much the same thing that you had. Now, you said in reparations, you ran into some weak arguments for reparations. What were the weaker arguments and what did you think were the stronger arguments for reparations? Well, I think the argument that's doomed to fail or it might make things worse if it succeeded is we're going to transfer money from people who don't think they owe it to people who think you do. Like any situation like that's just, you know, you want to avoid. Yeah. So I thought that there would be a clever way that both conservatives and the left and the black community would all say, okay, we weren't thinking of it that way, but that could work. And it goes like this. If you could, if especially the Republicans, if they could work with the black community to focus on education, whatever that takes, you know, some say homeschool, some say funding schools, it's probably all of that, you know, plus teachers unions. But if they could concentrate on that one thing and, and, and just make this agreement, we're gonna save the next generation of black kids, but we're gonna save everybody who's in that situation at the same time. But we're gonna do it because it's right, you know, for reparations, et cetera. If you do it that way, then the black people who would be benefiting, at least the next generation, because it wouldn't be so useful for the current people, but the people who are part of that would be part of something pretty great. Something I think is important as the civil rights movement. Now, the civil rights movement didn't work because only black people were protesting, right? It required a lot of white friends. So this is the perfect situation. But if we focus on how do you transfer money, I feel as if all those committees that are being formed, you know, to study it, that's how white people make a problem go away. You know, like I hate to tell you that's what's going on, but that is nothing but to make the problem go away. Like everybody who has any experience in a in a organization, the company, if you want to make it go away, just say you got to study it, form a group, right? That'll make it go away. Yes. And you could guarantee that they would come up with something so uh, unpopular with the public that it couldn't possibly work. Mm. So you know the committee is really a it's, it's a fake out. I, but I, if I... you. Yeah, if everybody focused on education, you could say, let's call it reparations. We'll put more money into it. 
than we ever would have done if it was just about education. Yeah. Well, let's make it like the one thing we could agree on, save the next generation. Yeah. Um, I have to agree on the education tip. I look at reparations from a very selfish perspective uh, and long-term perspective. I don't want money. Uh, I want tax exemption for a really long time. That's what I would personally ask for is tax, tax exemption in a form of reparations. From, from, from tax exemptions from income tax? All tax, corporate All tax, tax and income tax. If I own a company and I'm the majority owner of that company, I want corporate tax removed as well. Now, do you think, <laughs> but do you think that that's the, like a form of an idea that you could get enough agreement on? Yes. You do? Well, the reason why I think so is because now you're gonna have other groups, because every let's be honest, everybody hates the IRS. So they're gonna go, Oh, well, maybe there's a way I can get myself exempt. You know, maybe Irish or the Italians can say, well, we want reparations, too. And you might get Italians and Irish and a whole bunch of other people saying, well, look, I got an ancestor who came over in Ellis Island or something and I can get white people. on board." If your plan depends on the Irish getting reparations. I see a problem. Do you? Do you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the reparation thing is going to extend too far out of you know, maybe Native Americans and, and uh, Black Americans. You're but you're, you're but I like your optimism. Maybe we'll all get reparations. Lower so, the tax. So um, what, how, do you, how do you think reparations looks? You know, you mentioned education. Are we talking about transferring um, funds to some group who then manages homeschooling and then designing a good curriculum around that? I think job one is breaking the teachers' unions. Oh. I, I think that's, that's the number one thing that Black America needs. Okay. And it's one thing that you could get conservatives to sign on to. Now, you could also test it. You could also say, we don't know if this is the best idea. Let's let let's just agree that we'll test it in this area, get some more free market stuff, yeah. see what happens. I like that. I like that. Um, we're going to address your statement next. But first, I want to say this is pay to play, people. So if you want to participate in this conversation respectfully, go ahead, hit the super chat. We got people tuned in over on Rumble or Hotep TV on Rumble. So if you want to subscribe on Rumble, they're over there. I, sh I see you, Jimmy Doss Hotep. Appreciate you. So we're also on Rumble at Hotep TV. Um, so let's talk about your statement. You began this conversation and called yourself an energy monster. Now, when I first saw your statement, I classified it as trolling. Um, some people may call it um, uh, 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 clout chasing. Um, maybe you're classifying this as being an energy monster or provocateur. Um, what What is the, the, the goal of your statement? Was it to get people um, energetically charged up? Well, is that what you call trolling? Getting Sometimes people just riled it, up. It can be construed as that sometimes. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a little secret about me. I never do something for one reason. So I wouldn't do it just for laughs. Right. I wouldn't do it just for clout. Mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't do it for financial reasons. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've heard, but the Dilbert's being canceled all over the country and it's, you know, CNN is canceling me. I think TMZ was canceling me just before I, before I got on. I think the biggest newspaper that carries me has already decided to cancel. Uh, I would be surprised if I'm in business a few days from now. So here's the things you can know it isn't. I wouldn't do it just for laughs. I mean, it isn't that funny. It's pretty funny, but it isn't that funny. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do it for money. I wouldn't do it for reputation. 
Why would I do it? Well, I'm, that's a question. Why would I do it? I think you want to have the conversation. Can you think of any other reason I would do it? I think you wanted to what? have, I think you wanted to create room for the conversation. <laughs> um, I discovered that the price of free speech is really high. And there are only a few people willing to pay it. So I decided to pay it so that I could extend the conversation to something that everybody needs to hear. So let me, let me set it up. I, you might want to play the quote first. <clears throat> Do you want to play the a clip first or something to set it up? Sure. Let me... Um... No. So, so the clip will be provocative, and then I'll give you the context. Now, I, sh I should say, while we're waiting to listen to this, that all day long people were very mad at me. You know, that's why the cancellations. But to the best of my knowledge, nobody's disagreed with the point I made. And I keep asking if they disagree with the point, and they sort of avoid that question. There is some question about the data, which I agree with, the, the questionability of the questionableness of the data. I think that's a good point. Yes, we could talk about the data. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to find the right clip because a lot of them are long and they're mostly like two minutes and 18 seconds. Um, all right, let's just grab this one. And then we'll put it on your screen. Give me a second. People will be on your screen in just a moment. So we'll do here. So you should see me and Scott now on your screen. And then you'll see the video right now. And then I'll release the audio and then we'll be playing this. Hold on one second. So if, if you know, nearly half now. of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away. <laughs> Wherever you have to go, just get away. Just get away. Because there's no fixing this. All right. So I this couldn't hear the clip, fixed. but I, I, I'm it's still sure going. I which, right, this can't be fixed. Oh. Do you want you me to play the whole thing? Escape. So that's what I did. No, I went to a neighborhood. Wherever where, you think. That's good. Stop it. Wherever. That's good. So you said, get away. So here's the context. Okay. Uh, and I, this is the sort of thing that, you know, you owe the world, not you. I owe the world a clarification. Okay. Clarification is this. I'm opposed to any form of discrimination against individuals. You know, not your neighbor, not the person applying for a job. You know, marry who you want, date who you want, friends who you want. I have, yeah, I have no opinion on that, except everybody should be treated as individuals, period. And from a constitutional uh, legal sense, everybody has to be treated the same, period. So those things I think everybody agrees on. Yeah. The second thing I said that was controversial, and I think some of the context got lost, is that if you're not in a constitutional legal sense and you're not talking to an individual, then for career maximization or life maximization, you might want to avoid people you think have a bad opinion of you. I'll give you some examples. If somebody, if some, if a man said to me, I've got a job offer, uh, two places. One of them, it's a lot of men work there, and I'm a man. And then another one where it seems like all the executives are women, 
So I like got a suspicion that they wouldn't wouldn't want to promote a man. So they asked my opinion. What would I say? I say, well, you don't know what all those women think, and certainly you shouldn't judge all of the women at this company by that pattern. But if your intuition is that they might not favor you as much as this other company, I would go where the discrimination worked in my favor. Here's another example. If a young black person came to me and said, give me some life advice, I would say, don't go, don't go where you have the, the lowest risk, uh, the lowest chance of succeeding. Go where you have the best chance. The best chance at the moment is you stay in school and try to get a job at a big Fortune 500 company that's trying to balance out their diversity. A very good goal. But that would put you at the top of the list, and you would automatically be you know, above all the white people applying for the same job if you have you know, similar uh, qualifications. In the real world, people tend to have similar qualifications. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think people imagine that you can really tell who the good employee is going to be. Like, if you've ever hired, you can't do that. Nobody really knows. Like, within a, a similar band, you just don't know. So you're kind of guessing. Um, anyway, so, so that would be an example where uh, a black person should go where they have the biggest career advantage, which is, you know, they would be discriminated in a positive way. If you were uh, a black man and asked me for advice, and you said, should I go work for a company in uh, Cleveland or go somewhere where, you know, not Cleveland, I guess, where there's a higher white percentage, which would be your competitive advantage? If you go to Cleveland, it's 53% black, the city is. So let's say you work for a company in Cleveland, presumably you would be competing against a lot of other black people of similar qualifications. But if you go to another place where you're, there are fewer black people applying for the same jobs, you go to the top of the white pile automatically because diversity is something every company wants. And they should. I, I'm in favor of this. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm in favor of, and have always been in favor of, um, affirmative action. But I think you have to have a conversation at some point about how to phase it out. Because once things get close, but before everything is exactly equal, mm -hmm. you end up having more bad will than positive benefit. Yeah. It's like you, you gotta be you got to be careful when you get that close. So I think we're in the neighborhood where we should have the conversation about, is it better for everybody to face it out? Or is there some places it's better to keep it? Um, so likewise, um, if you are a, a white man in America and you're watching the news and you're seeing this thing called CRT, critical race theory, you're seeing DEI uh, and ESG, they're all three letter things that have in common, trying to reach some kind of equity, you know, racial balancing kind of situation. Now, I'll, I'll ask you this question because you maybe you can uh, educate me. My understanding is that they all have a, at the base of their narrative that white people, mostly white men, have uh, created a situation and continue to perpetuate one that's bad for black people. Is that a fair statement? Yes. So what would be the most natural way you would feel if the narrative from the media, from college, from high school, your teachers, your parents, if the media was very, um, let's say, cohesive 
and it said white people are the problem, do you think that would affect how people, how black people thought about white people? Yes. Would it have any effect? Yes. And, and assuming it's a negative effect, would that would it be reasonable for somebody to say, wait, there's this group of people. I don't have any problem with any individual and I don't want to change the constitution. Right. Right. Everybody's got to be treated equally, but it's a little bit smarter for me to stay away from a group who has been brainwashed to dislike me. Exactly. Like me. Exactly. (laughs) I'm a, I'm a rich white guy in America. I'm, I'm very much right in the center of those crosshairs. Now, does that mean that I think everybody should avoid their neighbor? No. Does that mean I'm never going to talk to a black person? No. Does that mean I won't hire black people? No. doesn't mean any of that. And also, I assume people know hyperbole when they see it, right? <laughs> you know, when I say stay away from black people, anybody who thought that was like a literal, like, yeah, yeah, all black people, if you see one coming, run, run. <laughs> like, the, the, there's a, there's a, there's a test that I like to give for fake news where you just say the thing that's in the news and then you follow it with the words, really? Really? Do you think that happened? Do you, do you think that I went on you know a live stream and said, stay away from black people, every one of them, there's no exceptions, whatever you do, just ask yourself, do, was there any thinking behind it? You know, was, was there maybe a, a why to that that you haven't heard yet? If you heard it in context, would you disagree with it? And the answer is, I haven't seen anybody disagree. So I have, I have seen, I have seen disagreement. I, I don't see anybody disagreeing with you should avoid any groups of people who are likely to have negative opinions uh, about you on average. What I saw a lot of disagreement on, and I, I, I agree with this criticism, is that the Rasmussen poll that I was looking at, the original thing that started it said that something like close to half of all black Americans who were polled were unwilling to say that it's, quote, okay to be white. <laughs> now, I heard you criticizing that, and your criticism was right on. That The nature of the question is that it will be interpreted differently by people, and maybe they're not even answering the same question as the other people in their minds. So, so I would agree that the, the data is not good. But honestly, um, anybody who's watched me for a while, knows that my primary act, at least on social media and and live stream, is doubting polls, doubting experts, doubting the science, and doubting any leadership or government person. Now, there's a 4chan hoax that all of my uh, pandemic opinions are the opposite of what they were. So so there's there's a version of me online that's the opposite of just that. But that's, you know, a 4chan hoax. Anyway, so I forgot what I was saying. Okay, so let's break that down. Um, I do agree on the separation of people part, right? Um, As a former extreme black nationalist, I even still today tell black people, you know, if you want to do better, you could work together and we can pull ourselves um, out of this problem by group economics, right? Is one thing you'll hear uh, consistently throughout uh, black nationalist conversations. But I want to come back to the point of your hyperbole. I understood when I first heard it, you saw me crack up. I knew it was hyperbole. I knew what you were doing. But I got to tell you, 
the optics were dangerous, Scott. The optics <laughs> of it. And, um, and I want to know what you think about this because you're a huge personality. You have a ton of history um, behind you, your brand, Dilbert. Um, and what you say, as you can see, uh, affects the fabric of America. It's going to send ripples through the culture. So when you say that, I think in some ways you understand that some people are going to know you're being hyperbolic, but you also know it's going to trigger a lot of people. You don't of think course. that you don't think what you chose to do was irresponsible. Oh, there's a good question. Was it irresponsible? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, let, let me ask it this way. Um, it, there was a purpose to it. If you didn't know the purpose to it, it would look that way. So any, anybody who didn't know why I did it, that would be a reasonable interpretation. Yes. But if you knew why I did it, which is to broaden this conversation, because it, it's sort of until you can talk honestly about any of the race stuff, how could you possibly do anything? How could you, how could you possibly do anything? Yeah. So the very, the minimum is somebody needs to get in trouble by like moving the envelope. So here, here's what I want to say. In a world in which uh, the narrative is that white people are the basis of the problem of not only past discrimination, but perpetuating ongoing systemic racism, there's only one outcome of that, which is white people are going to want to get away from that. So I would broaden the, I would broaden the conversation to say it's not about black people, it's about woke people too. So if, if you're concerned about the woke uh, taking you down, you want to stay away from woke people. I'll give, I'll give you an analogy. Do you remember the, the Pence rule, Mike Pence? Mm -mm. He had a rule that he wouldn't go to lunch or dinner with a woman who is not his wife unless his wife came along. Oh, yes. And, yes. and uh, people mocked it because it's you know, so, so backwards, et cetera. But as time went by, you realize the wisdom of it. If you don't put yourself in a, in a temptation, you won't get tempted. And then secondly, they, there was a lot of Me Too business going on. Uh, so a lot of the, most of the Me Too's presumably are real, but there's an alarming percentage that are not. So if you don't go to, if you're not alone with the woman in the first place, you can't get a false accusation. So we're reaching a point where um, if you follow the money, it sort of makes sense to make false accusations. It's like it's starting to become a, a monetary uh, um, strategy. Like, and you would expect that somebody's going to pick up on that. So, you know, in, in a world in which uh, people are learning that white people are bad, it doesn't make it doesn't seem crazy that white people would want to avoid that the entire environment. Now, but we we glossed over the most important question. The most important question is, am I batshit crazy for believing the Erasmusen poll? And I would like to ask your opinion, based on your years of living, what percent of uh, black Americans do you think have a, I'll just say a negative opinion of white people? What's your best guess? So we talked about this on Hotel's Been Told You Thursday. This is our very lighthearted comedy show. We do every Thursday at 8 p.m. with Uncle Hotel. And this question is actually bifurcated, okay? Or the answer, I should say, the solution. 
There's a conscious perception of white people. There is a subconscious perception of white people. Okay. Sure. sure. The conscious perception sometimes is negative, but the subconscious perspective is very positive. For example, if you ever read the book, uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X, when he was Detroit red, he talks about how his social uh, equity gained a lot of value when he came around with a white woman. Black people perceived him to be more popular or more valuable than what he was because he was walking around with a white woman. We can also say the same thing about medical advice. Hoteps have said many things about health, but until a white man in a lab suit says it, the general black population doesn't hop onto it. They need to see, and this is subconscious. This is part of what people might call systemic racism or white supremacy, where everything of authority has to come from a white man's face. So there's that subconscious perception. Then there's also the perception of, well, if Scott Adams could dance and he wore Timberland boots, well, we got to invite him to the cookout. So there's nuance there subconsciously, okay? Where black people love white people as long as they meet certain requisites. Then there's the conscious. And the conscious is programmed in the subconscious from an early age. I was raised to hate white people pretty much from history, et cetera, et cetera, media, all these things. So to answer your question, I would have to say, I can't say for certain, but I would say the poll is probably closer to the truth. If we were to say that everybody was answering that question from the first person perspective, that roughly the majority of black folks think it's okay to be white. Whereas that other, I think it was maybe 47% or something like that, were unsure or said it's not okay to be white. Did that answer your question? So, so pretty close to the Rasmussen number. Like anecdotally, that feels about right. Yeah. To you. yeah. So I got a bunch of input on Twitter and it varied from uh, a black man saying that personally, 1% of the people he knew in his family and in the military, apparently the military does a good job of, of evening stuff out there. Um, and then somebody else said it's at least 50%. A black man said that. And then other people have avoided the question. But but let's say it's 50 or 20%. Mm -hmm. And you're you're making your personal decisions. You know, if if uh, if 20% of the houses in a neighborhood that you're looking to buy a house were known neo-Nazis, mm. would you say to yourself, well, it's only 20%? Like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's only 20%. Well, you wouldn't, right? Like, you, you, would, you, would make, uh, you would make the obvious smart decision to go where, in, in all likelihood, you would be treated better. In all likelihood. But is, that e but is being a neo-Nazi equivalent to a black person saying no. it's not okay to be no, white? No, 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 no. Okay. No, I mean, the, 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 the larger point is, can you, as an individual, maximizing your, your own life, can you make decisions or does it make sense to make decisions 
about going where you will probably be liked the most, yes. even if you don't know. Absolutely. Right. So that, that's the only part that's equivalent. I, I'm not. I'm not saying anybody's equivalent to a neo-Nazi. Mm. Yeah. 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 No, no. Yeah. 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 But I think the, the the bigger issue here is how large your voice is. Okay. And two groups of people have been particularly enraged, and we're going to exclude white liberals from this. Um, black Americans, and maybe the diasporas, and, and the rest of the diaspora, maybe. Um, and this neo-Nazi white nationalist crowd. You're their new hero. You're the new hero of white nationalists. Uh, I know. Uh, let, 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 me, let me say, I, I disavow them completely for agreeing with me for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> but, but I'm aware of that. Uh, I, I'm aware of the, the support. But yeah, I disavow them completely. They're just agreeing with me for the wrong reasons. But I, yeah, what can I do about that? Yeah, I, I've been hit with the 13 and 50 for the past 48 hours. 13 and 50. Wait, a 13? Well, What's this, that? Uh, it, this is a white nationalist trope where they say black people are 13% oh. of the population and they commit 50% uh, of the uh, violent crimes oh. in America, right? So the whole okay. 13 and 15 trope, 50 trope, um, which is, you know, uh, we don't have to get into how bizarre or um, inaccurate that stat is. Well, we, but, but, but let's be more provocative. I'll, I'll, let me ask you the question. Black, when black Americans become wealthy, they usually move away from uh, high crime areas, don't they? From high crime areas, yes. Yeah. And there is unfortunately, because of systemic racism, those those high crime areas are concentrated often in black areas for no fault of the black people because systemic racism has you know brought us to this point so would it be reasonable for a successful black person to say you know what the best thing i could do is go to a low crime neighborhood and unfortunately for me you know a lot of white people there would that be reasonable yes but some nuance as we talked about in the green room um you know, I live in an area predominantly that, that's got a lot of Indians moving in. So I perceive white people as being lower class. So I want to be near the Indians. Um, <laughs> so if I see a black man oh, or a white man walking down oh, my block. I'm supposed to be the provocative one. You're ruining everything. <laughs> You're totally fucking this up. <laughs> don't, 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 don't inject any outrages that I haven't already injected. Like, I, I, it's hard, it, it's hard enough to, for me to sweep up this debris as it is. You're just making it worse. <laughs> I just, I just had to put that out there. Just had to put that out there. But I get. Right, well, that's I, out there now. But, but <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. But, you know, the white nationalists, I have to come back to this because the poll itself is divisive. The media has been divisive. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the media divide people by race. This poll was designed to trigger the type of response you had. And I'm sure you knew that when you saw the poll. Yeah, of course. Of course. Right. I mean, that's there's, there's, the only reason it's interesting. Correct. Exactly. And I think, you know, they knew that when they started that poll, they said, we're going to divide America with this poll. So I think if anybody needs oh, to be. Hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. That your mind reading there. That okay. I'm not sure they said we're going to divide America. I think they thought it was an important question, which I do too. 
Now, if you if you take the provocation away, is this not an important question? And is it a fair? And by the way, no, nobody disagreed with my proposition. I have, nobody's disagreed with it. Everybody's mad because I'm not allowed to say it. Mm. But and and let me tell you the most interesting thing. Most the the worst responses I got were from white people signaling. Yeah, I call them the you know, the. <laughs> The dopamine gooners was like they're they're just tweeting at me, ah, oh, you're racist, ah, you know, over and over again, and and they're just enjoying themselves in some weird way. It doesn't feel like it's about me. It's yeah. like I'm I'm just the thing, the headlines they can goon to. But the the weirdest thing was how black men responded to this. Mm. White men went immediately to racist, Nazi, you know, and you couldn't talk them off that ledge. Uh, the black men pretty much came in with something kind of similar to your first reaction, which is there's something we don't know about this. <laughs> like the, 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 they were smelling a, like, oh, this doesn't smell right. Like there's something about this. There's some context missing. Uh, and so mostly the response I got from black men was I'm interested in this topic. Mm. Uh, actually interested in the topic. Okay. And, is so, that bad? No. I think black men are very intelligent and they, you know, uh, tend not to fall for many of these media hoaxes. Um, but why would the white liberals, why are the white liberals, these whites, why are they doing that? Well, why, why would Dopamine, they? signaling. Yeah, uh, signaling. in the white community, you, you have to get in first because you don't want to be the, somebody said that the last person applauding Stalin. You, you don't want to be the last one in. It's like, you know, you don't want to next week wake up and say, you know what? I'm starting to think that the whole George Floyd thing was terrible. Like, you don't want to be that guy. You want to be on it like when it's fresh. You, the longer you wait, the more racist you look. You got to get on it. Oh, I get you. I get you. Um, but you asked the question, do I think that the question, is it okay to be white, is important? And in order to ask that question, that, that question is uh, a relative question. You have to give it some contrast. Important compared to what? I would say no. That question is not important. Well, I, I think the form of the question, I agree with you, is not the right question. The proper form of the question would be, um, is there is there a, uh, let's say, a pushback? <laughs> My phone is going crazy, you can imagine. <laughs> it, it, is there is there any pushback from uh, teaching society that white people are uh, the primary drivers of your pain? You're meaning the black community, and I would say that you should you should be aware of both the benefits of what you're doing. That's why you're doing it, but you should also know what the cost is. And part of the cost is how people feel about stuff, their their lived reality, right? So the lived reality of white people, and I'm not allowed to say this, so I'll, I'll be canceled tomorrow, is that it feels like the systems, you know, the government, corporations, the media, are slowly creating this uh, demonization narrative about white people, and we're starting to feel it. Like before, it was just silly stuff. Yeah. You know, woke people talking. But now you feel it. Mm -hmm. And if you feel it, and it makes you uncomfortable, you should leave. You should get away from it if you can. You know. Now again, don't discriminate against individuals. You know, don't violate the constitution. Hmm. Don't break the law. But 
and this is not my opinion, but this is what some people have said. And I think this is a, a maybe an MLK quote where if you watch other people suffer, you know, your next your turn is coming next, you know, something to that effect. And I think that especially for white conservatives and Republicans, um, they like to ignore the problems of race. They like to act like they don't exist. You know, they 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 don't want to help generally. Um they want to play the I don't see color game. I, I, I would put a nuance on that, but finish your point. Okay. Um, and then the liberals are different where they're like, oh, I'll play this game, but I'm going to play this game because I need to use the black people to push my socialist communist agenda, whatever, whatever. So we become pawns um, in the game. And, and now we're just uh, a, a, a hockey puck on the white man's ice. Um, so when I look at the, the, the white folks now, and they're saying, oh my God, I'm a victim. I go, well, when black folks were complaining about being a victim, everybody said, oh, stop being a victim. You have a victim mentality. And now they're like, oh, but you know, we're victims of these violent crimes. There's videos of black kids beating up white kids. And I'm like, well, you didn't care when black folks was getting beat up. You didn't say anything then. So why should why should Black America care now? Well, you know, you always have the problem of who you is, like that you, know, you didn't care then. Yeah, there there were plenty of conservatives who certainly cared that Black people were being beaten by police. Yeah, and and here's the nuance I put on the uh, the conservatives. I think you said not caring about race or something worse to that effect. I spent a lot of time in that community. You know, I identify with the left, but most of my time in my audience is on the right. Um, my take is that they're systems over goals people, meaning that they they want a system that's going to work. And as soon as you start uh, making exceptions, like, okay, everybody works on merit, except right now. That might be, that might be good once. You know, there's plenty of good reasons to make exceptions. But you have to be real careful about what exceptions you make and when. Okay. So conservatives tend to be guardians of systems, like keep my constitution the same, mm-hmm. keep you know, keep my religion, my family. And so they like systems. Right. So I think you're you're mostly seeing uh, people say it, it does look like it's bad in many ways to be black in America. Mm-hmm. I think every conservative would agree with that. Okay. But they would also say that can't be everybody's problem all the time. Right. The, the, the system requires that you figure it out. Yeah. Now, one of the things I said that, that I'm surprised it wasn't more controversial is that everybody who has ever succeeded, forget about race or anything, everybody who's ever succeeded did it the same way. Yeah, there's like five things you got to get right, right? Stay out of jail, stay off of drugs and alcohol, don't have a family before you can afford it, you know, and don't be a single parent. Stay together if you can. Um, focus on learning, you know, either a school or, or a vocation. Get a talent stack together of, you know, the skills that work well and make you unique. And then character, right? Show up on time, tell the truth, that stuff. Now, everybody who's ever tried that has found that it worked. So conservatives say, all right, this, there's no secret to the formula. <laughs> the only thing that doesn't work is that uh, young black people cannot get a good education because of systemic racism. They won't admit that, though. What's that? But that's the part they won't accept. 
They do, they do accept that the uh, teachers' unions are ruining education. Yes. And, and the teachers' unions are a systemic racism problem. Yes, but you'll say that, but they won't. They won't acknowledge that. Oh, they'll, they agree with me when I say it. When you say systemic racism or teachers' union? Both. When I say the teachers' unions are the best example, the strongest one, of systemic racism. Because it's, it's a very identifiable Yes, yes they will agree in that context, yes. Right. Yes. So, see, the, the thing that people don't realize is how close the black community and the conservative community are. It's like they're, they're on the other side of a, of a paper wall. Yes. Like, blacks are almost natural conservatives. Yes. <laughs> now, I, I can only say that because you're here, right? So you, <laughs> you can agree with me. It's true. Uh, if, it's true. If, if I said that out of context, people would be like, well, that's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, uh, to me, it looks like there are a lot of natural conservatives who can't bring themselves to buy the whole conservative package. So that's a problem. Yeah. But you don't have to. You, you just buy the part that everybody wants, better education. Yeah. I mean, just to support what you said, right? At the very basic level, what's important to black people? Um, God, money, and guns. <laughs> That's one thing that black folks and white conservatives got in common. They love them things. So that supports your argument. And ain't a, ain't a black person that could, that could disagree with that. They know we love guns. They know we love money. And they know we love God. We're one of the most <laughs> church-going people ever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, you, you like free markets, I'll bet. I'll, we, bet, I'll bet you like un, unfettered commerce with nothing getting in your way. We are, we are definitely capitalists. How, how do you feel about low taxes? We definitely want <laughs> low taxes. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's certainly things where there's going to be a disagreement. Right. But, I mean, you're standing on opposite sides of a paper wall. It's so close. So help me through this, right? I understand and you understand that you can phrase things in certain ways to bring conservatives to your side. For example, with the reparations conversation, I looked at it very briefly, took about 10 minutes, and I said, what if we frame reparations as Democrats must pay? Right? All oh, of us. <laughs> All of a sudden, the conservatives was like, yeah, reparations, right? And I'm thinking to myself, well, how come nobody else thought about that, right? I love that. But I think the issue that people have is why do we got to go through these extra steps of thinking just to prove that there's some systemic racist problems for black people? Why can't we just get Republicans and white conservatives to say, there's systemic racism in America without the context. Oh, yeah. Here's the trap there. If you say there is systemic racism, and then let's say the Republicans agreed on that premise. Mm -hmm. Now, I agree with it, but I'm not a politician. Yeah. If they agree with it, then people can start packing things under that label. Republicans okay. you can deal with on an issue basis. So, for example, Republicans are not going to say, uh, let's fund Black Lives Matter. But Black Lives Matter wanted, they wanted more body cams on police. Conservatives have no issue with that whatsoever. Hmm. Would probably help you fund it. So if you took it down to, like, tell me specifically what you want to do, it ends up being the same stuff. If you said, school, we disagree. All right, do you agree with more choice in school? Conservatives, yes. Black, yes. It's easy.
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually that, I mean, I, I, um, I look at everybody because everybody operates off of self-interest. And I think if we understand, uh, everybody's self-interest and everybody's worries and concerns, because what I saw with the reparations conversation was the major pushback was, I don't want to have to pay it. That's what white people were saying. Why should I have to pay? And then that's why I said, well, you guys said it's the Democrats fault. So, but my issue is, which, which, um, makes them seem racist is why didn't you guys think of that? Why didn't white conservatives and Republicans think to frame reparations and go, Hey, black folks, you want reparations? How about we frame this as Dems must pay? It (laughs) seems like nobody. And it took me all but 10 minutes as I just entered the conversation. Why why couldn't they? But, but do you, do you think that's a serious proposal that the Democrats would agree with? No, I think they would say you Republicans have all the money you got to pay. But the Democrats are in charge of the, the cities. The True. Democratic policies are the same policies that have crippled the black community. Sonny Johnson talks about this. They are the party of the poor, right? And she says, Democrats are the party of the poor and they can't be the party of the poor if there is no poor. So it's the Democratic policies that have crippled the black community. It is the KKK that was born from the Democratic Party. It is the Democratic Party that pushes Planned Parenthood on black people. And Planned Parenthood comes from Margaret Sanger, a known eugenist. Millions, the the biggest thing killing black babies right now is Planned Parenthood. And that's what Democrats put. They're literally pushing black death. So if we want to frame this, if if Republicans, for example, we're talking about winning the black vote or bringing black people to your side. It's not that hard. If you just sit down and think about it for a second and framed it as Dems must pay and then force the Democrats into that debate. Imagine if you said that on the debate stage, that's interesting. The whole country would explode. (laughs) (laughs) So, but but here's my uh, macro comment on that. Okay. Every time you're in the frame of Democrats and Republicans, you can expect that whatever you do in that frame isn't going to work, other than the election. Right. And maybe that didn't work. Who knows? Um, So that's why I say, if you can take it down to the what do you want to do phase, like, do you want body cams or not? Mm -hmm. Then nobody even knows if that's a Republican or a Democrat thing. You know, education, again, is that a Democrat or a Republican thing? Like you can't even identify it. So, so instead of saying Republicans against Democrats, just say, how do you like the school, the uh, teachers unions reducing your, your access to options? Yeah. You know, everybody agrees. I get that. The, my only pushback is we know nothing really gets done uh, once it lands in Congress. Right. So, and then Andrew Breitbart, right. What does he always say? Politics is downstream from culture. So you got to win the culture war. So what I'm trying to do is give people the, strate- the strategy to win the culture war. Because if you win the culture war, you win the political war. So that's what I'm saying. Like framing these things makes winning politics easy and makes winning the policies easy. Because now you got the black vote like, hold up. I might be looking at DeSantis now. I might be looking at Trump now because of the way we've changed the framing of these questions and the mm-hmm. cultural aspect. And also you talk about education, educating people on, oh wait, how are democratic policies crippling the black community? How is minimum wage crippling the black community? How is, I love the teachers union thing you brought up too. 
But the, the, my main premise is I'm able to think of Dems must pay, hashtag Dems must pay in under 10 minutes, but years have transpired before I even entered this political arena and nobody's thought of this, which tells me they must not have cared or second option, follow me. Everybody just likes to stick to the talking points. Everybody likes to just affirm the bias of their base. <laughs> what, what, what are, one of the things that I liked about your, your idea reminds me of uh, some Trump technique where you go in and you just shake the box like crazy. Because if you can't get anything done, you can't work with the same box. Like at some point you're like, okay, this fucking box is just not gonna get it done. You gotta, you gotta shake that thing or add something or subtract something. So no matter what anybody thinks of your idea of Dems pay, which I love by the way, I, I, I think that it's a, a diabolical way, in a good way, diabolical in a good way, to uh, stretch and you know test all the, the assumptions and you know, like really, really get to the next level of what's this mean and you know how fair is it and all that. I, I love that. Yeah, it, it just it just makes everybody think harder. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I don't want to um beat a dead horse, but I do have to come back to the you know how you've radicalized um white nationalists and so on and so forth. And I know you've um in case you just you just joining, um you did uh. Uh, what's the term you used? Uh, 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 when you detach yourself from somebody or, 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 um, say you have nothing to do with them. Just stay away. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 uh, oh, disavow. You mean disavow. disavow. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Disavow. So he's disavowed the white nationalist and I get that. But again, did you know that you would become briefly the king of white nationalists. <laughs> um, I never, I don't think I thought about it uh, in either way because I don't see them as terribly important. You know, the, the media likes to play them up, but it's like, you know, six, six idiots with hoods who meet twice a year somewhere and nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, like, who are we even talking about? Like, is there somebody left who thinks that black people can't succeed? Like, who, who are these white nationalists? Honestly, I've never met anybody in person. Like, literally. I've never met anybody in person who, like, matches the description of the people you're talking about. Yeah. I know they exist. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying they, they, don't, they don't activate my thinking because they're not part of any reality that I live in. So, so to answer your question, uh, I knew it would be super provocative in every way that it could be provocative. Mm -hmm. You're mentioning one way, and I didn't, you know, discount it or think about it hard. It just wasn't a big variable in my thinking. I did think it would be, you know, potentially a national story. Mm. Now, look what happened, though. Uh, can you tell your uh, viewer count? Do you know your viewer count? Uh, we hit 3,000 at one point. All right. So, and then it'll be a lot more later. People will be watching it. So what, what will be the outcome? The outcome will be a whole bunch of people are going to hear that conservatives agree that black people and conservatives could fight the hardest problem, which is education. And there's no conflict there. You can definitely find the middle ground there. Now, was that something that everybody knew before? Because the bubbles between the, the black 
um, let's say news bubble and social media bubble is really distinct. I mean, the, the, those bubbles are like hard bubbles. And I've been saying forever, like, you know, I've got some ideas that would work for re Republicans as well as black people. And I feel like I'm just throwing them into the nothing. But so I decided to shake the box. So here's the answer to your original question. Why the fuck did I do this? Because the box was broken and somebody needed to shake it. And we need to be able to actually break through the bubble and actually have the conversation. And if what that causes is me to get canceled, eh, I had a good run. <laughs> you know, if, if, you, if, the, uh, if the proposition is you get to continue doing your cartoon or you get free speech in, in a useful way, like I wouldn't do it if I didn't think it was useful. I'll take free speech. Like the, uh, that's an easy one. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll quit work tomorrow. But it's not, it's not really negotiable. Hmm. Um, first of all, I'd just like to say I really love what I just heard from you. Really love. Real quick, just to touch on the white nationalists. Um, they're such a fringe, and they're even like anon- so they can, like I told last night in the spaces, I said, um, we don't know if these are three letter agencies, um, kids playing around, you know, uh, no daddy yet home syndrome, but a lot of these accounts are anon they're not brave enough or, you know, for whatever reasons they, they don't show their faces. So they are fringe groups. So I really don't, you know, when they're like, some people say, Oh, look at all of them in, in your mentions. I'm like, I don't care about these people. These people don't matter. You know what I mean? Like they don't matter. Um, but what I want to touch on and, and really dive into is the bubble bursting. I want to say thank you, first of all, for bursting that bubble. Um, I try to burst that bubble all the time. I try to be that bridge between the two bubbles. And what I've always said is the left is very good at keeping black people in their bubble. For example, in, instead of hearing the nuance, and we talked about nuance, maybe we want to dive into that a little bit. But instead of looking at the nuance of the conversation, they'll just say, Trump's racist, stay away, <laughs> right? Or for example, this is a, this is a, here's a good example. Capitalism versus socialism. In the meetings, they'll say, capitalism is a white supremacy machination. Therefore, just stay away from it because white people created it. You see what I'm saying? That doesn't sound like good advice. <laughs> it doesn't sound like good advice at all, right? But my point is, they use very, um, they use a stench. They throw a stench on the right wing bubble. So you just stay away. You never even look in that bubble. You oh, never, that's, yeah, good point. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you don't even want to explore over there. So they make it seem so dank and like just terrible that like you don't even want to be on that side of Twitter. And then they mobilize the black liberals so that if I have this conversation with you, I'm canceled. I'm, I'm no longer even black American. I hate black people because I had the conversation with you. Yeah. You're an apologist for something, right? Yeah. So Everybody's that's, an apologist. Right. So that's how they keep black people in this bubble. So we can't, let's say you were a nice white nationalist. I can't even have a conversation with you. Right. And I'm going to give you some two instances. 
actually I'll just give one and be on the safe side. Um, Marcus Garvey met with the KKK and came to an agreement, right? So this has some precedence of black people meeting with white groups. So assuming you were, there is Wait, a hold on. <laughs> I, I may have to question your analogy for a moment. <laughs> well, let, let me see if I piece this one together. In your analogy, would would I be a member of the KKK? <laughs> Assuming you were. Oh, my yeah, we want to reword that a little bit. Right. But we know you're not. All right. I got your point. Then. Yeah, we, we know you're not. But assuming you were, what's wrong with that conversation? Why wouldn't I, based upon the precedent that Marcus Garvey, Marcus Mosiah Garvey, right. you know, founder of um, Black Star Line, uh, extradited because of the snitch W.E.B. Dubois, NAACP, had him thrown in jail and extradited. Just a little bit of fun fact there. But it's that bubble that they've keeping black people in. And I think that's the biggest threat to the race conversation is that they don't allow the conversation to happen. And that's how the left wins. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think what you and I are doing today is, you know, I think you had some insights that people would not have heard before. I'm positive that the things I said are getting to an audience that would never have heard me before. And the part that nobody got is I was trying to be productive. Do you see that? Well, I saw it immediately when I first oh, you watched your video. Right. You know, yeah. I laughed, I joked, right? Like now, now are you are you aware? I don't know if you saw it, but I've been uh, referring to this as a three act movie. I did see that. Yeah. And today was act three, right. Uh, so act one mm -hmm. is the provocation. You know, somebody dies, you know, somebody, some bad thing happens. And then in act two, there's just a whole bunch of activity that's sort of interesting in its own. The, the tweets, the canceling, you know, the newspapers that are canceling me, they're all like individually fun stories. The commotion. And then the third act, the third act of any proper movie is where the protagonist, in this case me, is in an impossible place. And you can't even imagine how this could turn positive. And this is how it doesn't. This is all I wanted. This conversation. It's all I wanted. And I got it. Thank you. Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. <laughs> so anyway, this is act three. Yeah. You are, you, you are act three. Now you're going to get lots of pushback for not asking me tough enough questions. You okay. know that, right? You're, you're going to get annihilated. And I, I, thank, I thank you for that, because you're, you're, you're taking a big risk. And that, I believe you're doing it for the right reason. Well, like, I, I think you actually want this conversation to be, you know, more richer. Well, I don't know what those tough questions would be. They would be, they would be to me, those questions would be dense. They would come from a place of, I don't want to hear what you're saying. You're a white nationalist. You're racist. What you said was wrong. But you and I come from the same world. We come from a world, I'm in marketing. We come from a place of persuasion. We come from a place of provo provo provocation. <laughs> provocation. 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 Yeah. So we understand these things. The vast majority don't. So I can't put my mind inside of a dense mind to ask those questions. <laughs> and I think those questions are ignorant because they don't see the play. 
So it's hard for me to even know what those questions are. What are those questions? I don't know. I, I suppose I would have pre-answered them if I knew. <clears throat> so people are going to say, you know, why did you support Trump? They're going to say of me. Uh, unless you're, a, unless you're a, a racist. Right. But just to connect some stories that deserve connecting, probably half of the country is not aware that, for example, the fine people statement by uh, Trump was a, a editing hoax. Yes. They just cut out the part where he immediately said, I don't want you to think that I'm talking about the neo-Nazis. So they take that part out. <laughs> and then with the, the drinking bleach hoax, they just take out the part before and after where he talks about light therapy as, as the, the thing, not bleach. So my situation was a, a version of that, although I think I got better play. I think I was a little better treated with full context than those other two cases. But... Most of the race hoaxes from the Covington kids hoax, they're all done the same way. And for anybody watching this, probably the people watching this are the media savvy people, because between you and I, you and me, I forget which way that goes, uh, we're, we're sort of training them what to look for, like as, as you have on this uh, live stream. And I think that's really useful, really useful. Yeah. So why did you support Trump? Um, there were some things that he said he could do that I thought would be unique. I thought he would not start wars, and he did pretty good on that. Yeah. Took care of uh, North Korea by doing something that only Trump could do, mm -hmm. which is just go talk to him. <laughs> no, only Trump could do that. <laughs> yeah. Trump, Trump was uh, um, hardcore about the border. Uh, my view on the border is that you should separate the question of who comes in from whether or not you have a border. <laughs> you should first have a border, and then, as Trump says, but maybe not as cleanly as I say it, you should have a group of economists, not politicians, say, wouldn't it be great if we let in you know, 100,000 because we need some workers? Oh, we better close it a little bit. Unemployment's too high or whatever the reasons. But it should be completely transparent, no political impact. Get it, get me some economists, bipartisan kind of economists, mm -hmm. and just tell us how many how many new people we need and what kind, mm. right? So that was cl pretty close to Trump's view on things, mm -hmm. and I think that that was good. Also, his energy policy, energy independence. Uh, I thought some skepticism about the let's say the way we dealt with climate change was uh, not whether it exists, but the way we deal with it. I thought he had a, a more real world opinion on that. I don't think the Ukraine war would have necessarily happened if he were president. I agree. You know, it's impossible to know that, but he did have the type of approach that in theory could have had it off. Yeah. So, but if you put everything together, you know, he's a certain age, which I think is, I don't want a president beyond a certain age. Yeah. Biden and Trump are both aged out, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, there's just so much controversy swirling around a person. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to get anything done. You can't even have a conversation. Yeah. So, so Trump, unfortunately, likes to make things interesting, more interesting than they need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been canceled for supporting Trump, but that's neither here nor there. Um <laughs> I want to stick on the point of immigration. Now, you said it's okay to be white. You've obviously riled up the white nationalists.
And there's a stat going around about the white population is in negative decline. Um, mix that in with immigration, white people are going to become uh, a minority in America. Um, black people and become a super minority in America. Um, my question to you is supporting a guy like Vivek is only going to empower groups that are neither white nor black. Are you okay with that? Wait, I'm not following that. It would well, empower- Vivek's not white and he's not right. black, right? Okay. And then connect, connect the thought. I'm missing the point. Well, you, um, are you said you're supporting Vivek, right? right? So, right. so my point is being assuming you're a white nationalist and I'm a black nationalist. We now have our country being taken over by people who are neither white nor black. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with Vivek oh, oh, so being? That, sort are, of are you saying it would it would uh, it would rile up both the white nationalists and the black nationalists potentially because he's not one or the other? Yeah. Potentially. But but my point is, there's a legitimate threat of foreigners taking over America. Immigrate immigrants, whether legal or illegal, changing the color of this nation. And Vivek is neither white nor black. And you're not looking at that. You're looking at his policies, obviously. No, no, I'm looking at the fact that there are some policies that he could do um, as a Republican that it would help that he's not a white guy. That that would look like, well, you're not doing it because, you know, you're just a white supremacist. You must have some other reason for doing it. Mm, and I guess we so I, think it, I think it helps his message a little bit. Ah, uh, and he can't really be called a sellout because he's a, a marginalized group. He's a protected class as well. Right. Because if the guy was black, he'd get the, you know, same treatment as any other black uh, conservative. Well, he's he's doing a brilliant approach that I always praise Obama for. The smartest thing that Obama did was he ran for president not as a black man. Like, you know, he mentioned it because you have to mention it. It comes up. But he never said, this is my asset. He never said, you know, sure would be good to have a black president. And I remember when Hillary ran, she said it would be an advantage to be a woman because we listen better. Yes, that, that, was, that was my, that, I'm out. Yeah. I'm like, as soon as you're you're going to discriminate in that way. Uh-huh. I mean, now, Vivek is not running as a brown guy. Hey, that's an advantage or anything. He's, he's running on a let's stop talking about that stuff. And that's pretty popular on the right. What's his platform? Uh, I don't want to represent it, but uh, I know he's strong on border, really strong on fentanyl, wants to get rid of, I think, the Department of Education. Pretty sure he likes school choice. Mm-hmm. Pretty straight Republican stuff. Okay. If you had to choose between Trump and DeSantis, where do you sit on that? That's a big, huge conversation right now, assuming uh, DeSantis did decide to run and you had to choose today. Who would you choose between Trump and DeSantis? Well, I'm going to stay a single issue voter on fentanyl. So right now, Trump has a strong stance on fentanyl. And DeSantis, I don't know that he's weighed in you know, like like he would as a president. So he's sort of doing a governor's job, a great governor's job, by the way. I think he's doing terrific. And uh, if they stayed that way, I'm still a single issue voter, so I'd go with Trump. If DeSantis had, let's say, a similar tough fentanyl opinion, I'd probably go for youth because I think that uh, I think everybody needs that. 
right? Absolutely. That's not that's not left or right. Everybody needs that. We need a younger president. Um, would you like to see more black people vote Republican? Do you think that would help? Or well, um, I think it would help black America, uh, which in turn would help everybody. So I guess I guess it seemed like a trick question. Yes. Um, why do you think that black Americans don't? And how do you think we could get more black Americans to vote Republican? What could we all do? What could actually what could Republicans do better to bring uh, more people over to their side? I think the Republican messaging has been terrible, like basically just terrible, because they always they always leave this big room for you to assume the worst. And it's just not necessary. <laughs> it's not true, and it's not necessary, but they, I, I think there's like some stubbornness. Like there's just some things we're not gonna explain. You know, you have to work it out yourself. So I think that works against them. So one of the interesting things about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is I saw him giving a talk to some Republican group, and uh, it looked like he was talking without notes. And it was the smoothest, most rational, you know, thread of thoughts that all held together, no ums, no ahs. And I thought to myself, the, the moment I saw that, I thought, if there's no teleprompter there, that's who I want as my president. Like, I, I want to see the guy who can do that, or the woman, right? Or the trans, anybody you want. By the, by the way, I'm, I'm even pro-trans. And like the, the, the view of me from my critics is almost completely opposite. Almost everything is the the polar opposite of what they imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. You just you just uh made me lose my train of thought with that comment. But okay. Um. The messaging is off. Um. Vivek. Um. Ah. Okay. So Vivek, you're saying doesn't speak from a teleprompter. I agree with that. I hate the cookie cutter. You know, I'm speaking from. The teleprompter. I can't trust that. I just, I'm, I can't. It's, it's like, yeah, you know, right, you know, right. There, there's a little trust level, right? Because if you're reading it, you don't know if you're getting a real person. But the, just the ability to do that is pretty rare. Like even among the, you know, if you just take any senator, like it would just be some boring, you know, like talking point kind of thing. But he was, he was ripping it up, and it looked like it was all spontaneous. Which also comes off as genuine. Genuine. Yeah, it looked genuine. Right. And, and and I think that's what's missing from politics. Do you think Vivek stands a chance of winning the uh, primary? Oh, uh, I'm going to say yes, based on talent. Okay. But uh, I don't know I would put it above 50%. Hmm. The big wild card is DeSantis. Hmm. I think if DeSantis gets in, you know, he's, the ele- he's the elephant. Hmm. Uh, if he doesn't get in, Vivek is running as a less controversial Trump. And that's going to be a real contest. Because mm. people like, like Trump uh, policies. They're, it's very popular. It's just why he brings with it, you know, annoys some people to the point where it's just intolerable to have him in office. I get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand the point. Okay. Let's come back to the tough questions about what you said. You once identified as black. That could be offensive to black people. Do you think that could be offensive to black people? Do you care? Or Strangely enough, that I love that question. 
Strangely enough, I expected there would be some blowback. Yeah. But here's what happens. I like when I say this, you're going to laugh because it's obvious after I say it. Nobody dislikes you for being on their side. <laughs> That's it. No, <laughs> nobody dislikes you when you join their team. Yeah. They, maybe they should. Like, man, maybe we should be treating everybody as individuals. But nobody does that. They they say, "Are you on my team? Yeah. All right, just just don't don't tar me with that stuff." But I'm I'm happy you're on my team. Yeah. <laughs> I I found it fascinating that you know you've come under a lot of fire, but not for that. Not for that. <laughs> I mean, but but that's the reason. The the reason is that when you you say. I like you so much. I want to be on your team. Yeah, which is literally what I said. It's hard. That's hard to be mad at. Mm. Like even if you think I'm joking, it's still hard to be mad at it. Yeah. Now, some black people, you said the reason for that is because you wanted to join the winning team, and there's a contingent of black people who would say we're not the winning team. We're the ones being oppressed. We're the ones, um, you know, struggling. How do you refute that? Now that's the kind of talk from a winning team I like to see, because part of what part of what is allowing Black America to be winning, in my opinion, at the moment, is that they've they've made a good argument for being victims, and if you can sell that argument, that really helps you. So, I, I don't object to anybody taking that approach. Are you going to continue identifying as Black? No, or I. Are you, you no, because, because of this uh, recent blow up, I decided that that would be offensive. So no, I'm, I'm as of today, I'm back to identifying as. Uh, uh, I was thinking about going non-binary. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. Because <laughs> you know I'll do it. I, I kind of want to see the non-binary. Uh, I, I'm, I'm voting for. I, I always love the non-binaries because there, there's something so wonderful about keeping your options open. Yes. You know, it, I, I'm, I'm not even sure that's exactly what's going on with the non-binaries. So I, I might be, uh, I might be ignorant of the situation, but I just like, there is something called non-binary. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of anybody who's outside the system, which is one of the reasons that I have a, like a special fondness for the black community. Cause, cause you've got like, you're, you're sort of automatically, you know, on the fringe of some things. So anybody who's like out there as the, the one who's not in the narrative or just outside the model, I just automatically like them all. So that's why I'm pro-trans, pro-non-binaries, pro-black. I like everybody who's like not the cook, cookie cutter. Yeah, outside of the norm. Okay. Um, and I can understand that. I, will, I, won't, I don't have any pushback on that. You're canceled now. What is next? You know, Dilbert's being removed from newspapers. Let me just say for the people that are watching newspapers, man, come on, man, bring Dilbert back. Stop the <laughs> virtue signaling. We, we, nobody's afraid of Dilbert, you know, but, um, and there I go being a white apologist again. So I'm sure they're calling me coon <laughs> in the chat or something. I don't know. Um, but you know, what are you going to do now? Like that, that, that you're canceled. It, well, I, I'm 65. I'd always planned to retire. So this is exactly my retirement plan. My plan was always to retire by blowing Dilbert up. Really? Yeah. Originally, I was going to make Dilbert trans. I, I've been planning that for over 25 years. 
that that was going to be you know, the last thing I did was just have him uh, transition yeah. and just just walk away. <laughs> don't don't explain it. <laughs> just, just just walk away. I just I thought it would be different. Hmm. Uh, but to answer your question, um, we'll we'll see how bad the the blowback is. Yeah. Um, I would expect to lose most of my income by two days from now. Um, but um, I also have a subscription site at uh, the locals platform. So if I if I need to move Dilbert onto the locals platform, um, that's a free speech place, so I can just do what I want and go completely independent. Yeah, but yeah. I'm ready to I'm ready to retire. So if I can go out, if I can go out with some useful you know, provocation, <laughs> get, get people worked out, make them pay attention to something that's beneficial. That would be worth it. That'd be a cool way to go. Okay. So I don't know if that'll happen, but it looks like it is. So we've seen act one, the triggering. We've seen act two, the commotion. We've seen act three. Everybody's witnessing act three now. What is act four? <laughs> act four is usually when the monster that you thought was killed he like climbs out of the, the wreckage and you're like, oh no, I thought I've already killed you. And you've got to like kill him a, a second time. So usually, you know, act three is impossible, but then act four is really impossible. But you know, that, that one doesn't last as long. Mm. So, so, I, so, I've got, so I have one more battle after this one. What's that? The, that's the, that's, that's... The, final, the final monster climbs out of the pile. Mm. What that would usually look like is somebody who hasn't heard the context yet. Okay. Who, who emerges like as the final monster. Uh, so we'll, we'll look forward to that. Oh, so after this is the people who haven't seen this, that's act four and you're emerging from that. Right. Mm, right. Interesting. Which leads. My, 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 my suspicion is that anybody who watched this entire thing would walk away saying, oh, that's fine. Mm. Mm. I, I have no problem with that. Yeah. Now, we, we, we didn't settle the question of what is the actual data. Oh, yes. And their opinions. Now, I did a quick Google search just because I thought I should know what if, if anybody else has pulled it. And I don't see any data on that. So if anybody data does, on what? On, on what are the attitudes of black Americans about white Americans, specifically in the context of the narrative of systemic racism? Mm. I don't think it's ever been pulled. It, but that it, you, you can't even get a. It, 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 my issues with these polls is, is no such thing as racism as classism. Racism is for the lower class and the upper class. The middle class doesn't deal with racism. Uh, that, that, that's like a whole other show, but you're <laughs> completely right. Yeah, that's the that's the Dave Chappelle thing. Yeah. Uh, like he, he's not black; he's rich. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not black. I'm OJ. Um, yeah, right. So when I think about that poll, I'm like, well, who are we polling? Are we going to poll poor black people in Louisiana, poor black people in Newark, New Jersey, or are we polling black folk um, living in the richest parts of Atlanta? I, I believe the way they do it is they try to randomize it across populations. So, that, you know, they've got men, women, different ages, different uh, ethnicities. And uh, I think they do a geographic, you know, reach. Yeah. I, I think they do avoid, in fact, uh, they, they just look through their numbers on this poll 
to make sure that the, the science and the math was right. And they're pretty confident that the science and the math are right. But I'm with you that the question was probably interpreted differently by people. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't live by that poll. I so I, I'm, I'm open to data. And by the way, if the data shows the opposite of what you and I both think, mm -hmm. I would change my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's a data-based opinion. Right. And I, and I would apologize. Yeah. And I would owe an apology. Well, I, I want to see, I want to see the data from rich black folk. Then I want to see the data from middle-class blacks, upper middle-class blacks specifically. Right. I like then, that. Yeah. And then the poor. Right. I want it divided out by class, just black people. And then let's look at the data. What do you think it's going to say? It's going to say the, the less money you have, the more anger you have on this topic. I think so. That makes sense. I think that's how the data would look. Yeah. Can't say for certain, but. Yeah. I, I think that um, here's one of the problems with self-help advice. Everybody who makes it thinks everybody else can. And like, this is one of the things I fell for briefly. It was like, no, wait a minute. There's a whole bunch of things, you know, luck, have to be in the right place at the right time. You know, there's a lot of luck involved. But yeah, I would think if you were successful and black, you would say to yourself, well, it can't be the white people's fault because look at me, I succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't really apply to every other person, right? People have different challenges. Yeah. I uh, Can we unpack that really fast? Because uh, we want to be helpful, especially to black people. Um, Self-help is difficult. Uh, and my um, analysis comes down to proximity to information, access. Right. For example, if you live in the middle of the woods in Arkansas, how likely are you going to be exposed to chat GPT or technology? Right. right? Um, if you're in middle America, it's much different than being born near Bowling Green in New York City. You know, right. um, and I notice I didn't add race to that, but just proximity information. So, mm -hmm. you know, when I look at myself and people talk about self-help, I'm always clear when speaking to black people, let them know. I grew up semi-affluent. You can't do what I did. I had a mommy and I had a daddy and I was, I built my first computer in 94. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. I have an advantage over you in tech. Yep. Yep. You're not going to be able to compete with me. Can you catch up? I'm sure you could catch up if you were exposed to that information. So there is some nuance to that self-help conversation. I'm glad you brought that up and I'm glad you came to that realization because it's very difficult for black folks specifically. The number one self-help tip, and it's in my book above my shoulder there. The first thing I did when I graduated college was I moved to where there was the most energy. I moved to the Bay Area from my little small upstate New York because there's not much happening there. So to your point, you need to be near people and stuff and information and, and universities. You got to be near companies and headquarters. Like it's, you even need, it's even better to be near the company's headquarters than to be near the satellite, right? And so proximity ends up being this amazing part of success. There, there was somebody I worked with years ago, young guy who said he wanted to move into a neighborhood where there were lots of rich people. 
he was a white guy, uh, because he thought it would rub off on him. And I mm. laughed at him. I was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. You know, richness doesn't rub off. And like, I, I was that guy. And then I got older. And I'm like, shit, it rubs off. It totally rubs off. Like, here, here's the best example of that. When I was still working in a cubicle, I, uh, the Dilbert thing started taking off. And I wrote a book. And it was very successful. As soon as I wrote a book, I'm working in a cubicle with my other cubicle mates. Two or three of the people who sat near me wrote books. <laughs> Two of them got published. I'm not sure about the third. Uh, and uh, that was entirely because I was sitting nearby. Hmm. And, and the, the way I explained it is when they saw me do it, they said, well, it looks like any idiot can do this. And, and then they did it, and they proved that if you've got a good idea and you put the work in, and they both did. They both had good ideas. They both put in the work. They both got published books. Now, now take that example. Now generalize this to the inner city. Who in the inner city is sitting next to three authors? Right? Or three startup the, founders. Or three startup founders, right? Like anybody who has the privilege of meeting you gets an advantage. Anybody who has the privilege of meeting me gets an advantage because I'm like all primed to give advice. <laughs> I, I like giving advice. So, yeah, the smartest thing anybody would do is ask me for advice, which happens a lot. Want to add something, another nugget to this college. Um, some people think they're going to college for education. You're going to college for networking. For example, if you go to Harvard or Yale, you're going to Harvard or Yale with the guy's dad who is probably a VC of Uber or something like that, right? right. Um, also, um, I've done lectures on this in the past where I said the best place to start your business is in college because your consumer base is spending their parents' money. They have a lot of free time. And uh, a corporation generally only has four to seven departments and everybody in those departments is majoring in something else. So your CFO is at your college, your CTO is at your college, your marketing guy is at your college, your BD guy, all your, the people you need to start the corporation are there. Yep. yep. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there too. Uh, yep. So not only is it networking, but you should be, you know, like I spoke to a young kid who's in college yesterday. And he's like, oh, I want to start entrepreneurship, but I'm not sure of where to start. And I'm like, I hope you started in college because that's your biggest advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I've only got a couple of minutes more. I've got to. Yeah, we're going to go into Super Chats. Um, I'm going to run through these really fast and we're going to get out of here. Um, Steph Colonel, thank you. He said, uh, we about to break the griff barrier with this one. Hotep and Bill, Hotep and Griff, salute. Danny said, have fun, y'all. Thank you. Crawley said, uh, let's see how many will show cognitive dissonance. We're going to have to see. Act four. Crowley, she said, um, and cut me off anywhere if you want to chime in. Um, how T fail almost everything and still win big. <laughs> That's the name of my book. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. How to fail. Yeah, win it almost anything. Right. Um, Rasmussen poll had 19% of the white respondents either say it is not okay to be white or weren't sure. Uh, wasn't that a hint the poll was bogus? 
Uh, shout out to Jonah Ryan said teachers unions are the enemies of humanity uh, bought out by Carnegie and Rockefeller foundations 100 years ago. Also etymology of education, um, uh, rearing of animals, uh, Nazis and commies both required public education. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely the commies. Um, I'm not in favor of rearing animals, but maybe <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> Matt Black, tell Scott I have a son going to UT. Rummy that check for his education since he cares. Oh my God, he's got to put all y'all kids through college now. Um, David Fox, uh, he's he's putting my kid through college first before y'all. I just like to say, um, David Fox, he said I uh, asked Scott his thoughts on Malcolm X calling a white liberal black American's biggest enemy. I'm sure he would agree with that. Um, Jonah Ryan, just me, but people complaining about videos of black violence is no different than gun control. No one blames the perpetrator as the former perpetrator. Ooh, good argument, man. Uh, Brian, he said, uh, why H.J. put on a white man suit for this one? Hotep, you're a genius. Hotepjesus.com. You know why. Um, inside of the ages, classic divide and conquer tactics are in play. America is better than this, smarter than this. Isn't it time we retaliate with radical free market collaboration through the separation of money and state Dilbert dollars. I like that. Um, Jonah Ryan, um, DEI is God in Latin. Um, coincidence. K Max McDonald. Uh, if a bunch of newspapers cancel your comic Dilbert, is there another way to support his locals? Get on his locals, any subscription service, other ways to support you at a website. People can, uh, buck cancel culture. Get on his locals. Scott has the locals. Like he said, great way to support him. Steph currently said, Unk about to put cases on HJ and Scott start the court. Hopes up court. <laughs> um, props to Scott Adams. Thank you, Ryan. Christian Sinney said, uh, props to Scott, Scott Adams for being willing to, uh, willing to pay the price of free speech and props to HJ for being willing to have a powerful and honest conversation about a very controversial topic. Thank you. Tune in and drop out. Uh, getting out of comfort zones is an important part of our emotional and spiritual growth. We're living in a hyper racialized nation. We all need to be willing to reach across racial lines, recognizing our own bias. True. Uh, Scott, real quick, before I finish these, um, if you want to dip, just tell me you can go and I'll finish reading them by myself. Um, uh, I, I need to go, uh, for a nature break. So I do need to cut out here. All right, cool, man. Hey, Scott, I appreciate you for, um, having this conversation with me, man. And, um, if there's one guy, uh, one black guy you've helped, it is me. And you did that today, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I, like, I hope this was useful for other people. I think it was. I think so, it was. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Thank so you have much. a good one, man. Thank you. Take care. Um, Scott Adams, ladies and gentlemen. My screen will fix itself in um just a moment here. Um there we go. It it might look janky. I think I have another um another uh solo one here but you guys you guys can deal with this right you guys can deal with this right yeah cool cool all right cool um tune in and drop out um and i'll do a poll actually i want to do a poll uh what should i do for a poll here um let's let's ask about scott let's do a poll on scott let's start a poll let's do do you think Scott is racist. Is that fair? Or should I say, do you, or should we, or should we, should we frame this around? Maybe we should frame this around. 
I think we should, I think we should frame this around his, 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 his stream. So, so let's say, do you think Scott was, I'll do this. Do you agree? Here we go. Check this out. Do you agree that Scott's antics through all the muck and whatnot, all the conversations ended up being productive, were productive after seeing today's chat? Let's see. I think that's, that's more fair. You know, asking if he's racist is kind of corny. Um, do you agree that Scott's antics were productive? Let's ask the community. We'll let that poll run while I finish um, reading these um, super chats here. Um, props to Scott Adams for willing to pay. Oh, we did that one. Tune in and drop out. Get um, one, two, one, two. Okay, good. Uh, get out of our comfort zones. Getting out of our comfort zones is an important part of emotional and spiritual growth. Ooh. I want to stop right there and repeat that. Getting out of our comfort zones is an important part of our emotional and spiritual growth. You know, that's it right there. Th that really nails it. If somebody says something, the lesson here is somebody says something that's triggering to you. Don't run from it. Don't run towards Don't run towards the negative. Let me see how I can phrase that part. Because you want to run towards your emotions, but you don't want to run towards your emotions to propel them. You want to run towards your emotions to face them. To see, why do I feel this way? Should I feel this way? You know, because I, having an emotional response to something is human and it's good. So whether it's negative or positive, it's good. But you don't want, whether it's negative or positive, you want to analyze that. Because when I have positive emotions to something, I challenge them. Even when I have negative emotions, I challenge those. Should I be happy about this? Should I be unhappy about this? And run towards it and really come out of you, become the watcher and be objective and analyze it. That's a great, that's a great, um, great statement, sir. Um, we are living in a hyper racialized nation. We all need to be willing to reach across racial lines, recognizing our own bias made me forget I wanted to define racism and talk about racism with Scott even reminded me. Damn. Um, next time. Um, the McClone code, how much of this resolves if we all just address our own envy? Perhaps. Hotep Pops, great intelligent conversation. Big boy super chat. Thank you. Um, Eric Reitz, Milton Friedman and Thomas Sowell tried to warn us about access to a decent education. Half a century later, and it's worse somehow. Cite them whenever possible, I would say. Yeah, yeah, Milton Friedman, Thomas Sowell, great sources of information. I, I would totally agree. And I didn't forget my rumblers. We got rumblers over there. Jimmy Dice Hotep with the big boy super chat over on Rumble. Hotep TV on Rumble. Subscribe to us on Rumble. We got the Rumblers rumbling over on Rumble. And if you represent Rumble, hit me up, man. Let's work on a partnership so we can bring great content to Rumble. 
Um, Steph Cronel said, King Randall is one of the best examples of a black man today doing work to invalidate 1350. Instead of giving credence to PSYOPs, support people doing real work. Stop validating PSYOPs today. I like that. Great job, Steph. Uh, Jonah Ryan said, most people will never acknowledge the importance of support in the home. A uh, child with no confidence is the greatest handicap. Look at the uh, res, uh, residential schools, I guess he's saying, res schools. I'm not sure what he's saying there, but confidence is the number one thing you want to give a child. The reason why many kids suffer from what they call learning disabilities is really a confidence disability. They are so afraid of getting the wrong answer. They say no answer or they say the wrong answer because they know the answer, but they're like, oh, is it wrong? Uh, uh, and indecisiveness kicks in and they pick the wrong answer. The best thing you can give a child in this world is confidence, not cockiness, confidence. And that's so true. Um, virtue, value. So, you know, Hotep Nation is a 501c3 nonprofit. Our niche is homeschooling. And the, 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 the most important things uh, and I'll be writing a blog about homeschooling. Um, several uh, series of blogs are coming to menoforder.com soon. So go to menoforder.com and um, get subscribed over there because we're going to have a ton of homeschooling content coming out over there written by me. But the best thing, you know, the, the, the first thing we're teaching children when we pull them out of public school and homeschool is virtue, values, morality, and confidence. These are the main ones. This is the main reason why we're, we're uh, moving to homeschooling. Um, Jessica Vaughn said, Oh, what up, Jessica, Jessica in the chat. Hey, thank you for your constant fairness and intellectual curiosity. I uh, hope to see you at the Bitcoin conference again this year. I will be there. I hope to see you there. Jessica, when you come in on my show, I need you on my show. Let's talk soon. Uh, Tony Nieves, he said, Unk taking you to Hotep Court this week, grifting on the highest order, all around great convo, guys. Man, screw Uncle Hotep, man. Hashtag cancel Uncle Hotep. <laughs> Cash is Cam, that, dis that Don Lemon diss track was fire, Scott. Um, Cash is Cam is a new track out. It's Don Lemon diss with the play on um, Scott Adams. Go check that. Go follow Cash is Cam if you want to hear the Scott Adams diss track. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, Chad Lamorne, he said, credit where it's due. Scott broke the seal on the can of worms that held this conversation captive for far too long. No small feat. Equal credit to Hotep Jesus for the courage and wisdom calmly navigating this conversation. Shout out to the, uh, one of my handlers, Chad Lemoyne. I appreciate you. Keith uh, Jenkins, he said, this conversation needs to continue. Appreciate that. Um, Art Dog. Uh, opposites having a civil having a civil discussion and willing to listen to each other is how you move forward. You know, the thing is about opposites. It's funny because Scott labeled himself as like, I think he said left wing or liberal. I'm not sure what he said. Um, but like his whole base is like right wing or conservative or whatever we're, you know, term we're using. I would call them red whites. That's the term I use. I made that up. So, you know, it doesn't seem like it's following. He's being canceled by the blue whites. Um, but he's mostly followed by the red whites. So I, I just want, I just want Scott to either claim uh, moderate or right wing. And I think, I think if he claimed right wing, that might be uh, very triggering and that might work towards what he's, his goals are. But again, Scott's playing 5d chess. So who knows what he's up to uh, identifying as a left wing person. Um, or maybe he goes non-binary. <laughs> um, Leon, Yoder, there are only two methods to resolve differences, speech or violence. I like that. 
Um, the left works to shut down violence, which foments hate and leads to violence. Free speech of any topic with anyone must be protected. Enjoy the conversation. I like that, Leon. I'm going to I'm going to read that again. The left, the left works to shut down conversation, which foments hate and leads to violence. Somebody write that down. Somebody write that down. I'm going to copy and paste that because I need that. I need that. That's stolen, bro. I'm telling you right now that I stole that. It's going to end up in a book somewhere. So, um, you know, and I'm going to Google it to make sure we've cited it. We might need to program chat GPT with that. Um, but that's, that's, that's a wonderful statement right there. Chad Lemoyne, uh, is the not, is the non binary blight <laughs> identifying as a blighter? Um, Crawley, his book, his book is released September going to change lives. Okay. Scott Adams got a book coming out. Um, Scott, Peter Parker with great power comes great responsibility. CA Senate, do it, do it, do it. Dan, uh, why not send our best into the inner cities then and give them access to online masterclass? I, I agree. Uh, NJ Grant, you'll know more of this world, brother. Um, Chip C said, I've been following both of you independently for a long while, and this has been the best super friends moment I've seen in a long time. Thank you. Hot pocket. Your mod strong dad protocol is acting like a tyrant and blocking chatters at the drop of a hat. This completely goes against what you stand for. Um, so let's talk about that. Uh, what do I stand for? Um, I stand for appointing good leaders. You know, for example, I always joke around and say, you know, if I was the dictator of black people or if I was the dictator of America, so I'm the dictator of my channel, but as being dictator, I put people in charge. In this case, there are moderators. So if he felt like banning somebody, I think he made the right decision. I stand behind the people I put in charge, especially strong dad protocol. Um, if he banned you, it, you, you deserved it. Um, John Stevenson, uh, if more folks had Hotep's approach to things, we'd all find out we have way more in common than we realized. I think the world would be, would be much better if we had the Hotep approach. Uh, this is how we operate over here at Hotep Nation. Um, inside of the ages, don't run towards comfort. I like that. I like that. Um, Fuzzy Warmy, uh, Scott supports trans people, gays, minorities, reparations, legalization of ganja and other left wing orientations. Well, there you have it. There you have it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another uh, wonderful broadcast. Why are you here? Subscribe, turn on notifications. Uh, we like to have big brain conversations, intellectual conversations on this channel. You know, I, I generally don't deal with, you know, the very small brain. Oh, you know, there's tiny balloons in the sky and all that stuff. I tend not to do that on this channel. Or, you know, we did a, a great comp. I brought a scientist on an organic chemist, Dr. Tanaya Ricks on his channel. And we broke down the dangers happening in Ohio with the train derailment. That was a very big brain intellectual conversation. You guys should go check that out. Um, we've broken down um, political um, uh, conversations with Sonny Johnson. So I bring experts on this channel. Uh, but basically what you can expect from me is basically things that are boring. Um, they're highly intellectual. Uh, they're going to challenge you and make you think. But that's what you're going to get on this channel. Um, you know, I'm not going to be covering every little, you know, oh, my God, this influencer is fighting with this influencer. Yeah, we're not doing that on this channel. Um, but we do cover those topics on our Thursday show. Um, Hotep's been told you with my co-host, Uncle Hotep. That's 8 p.m. 8 p.m. every Thursday. 
Um, I am sponsored by Syscoin, a wonderful project, um, basically utilizing the security of Bitcoin through merge mining and um, use, utilizing the flexibility of smart contracts on the Ethereum technology, um, scaling using uh, ZK rollups. Uh, so check out that uh, technology, Syscoin, wonderful group over there. Shout out to Alex and Patrick and the rest of the team, Jag. Um, I'll be in Austin, Texas soon with them. So looking forward to that. Um, shout out to the Men of Order team, menoforder.com, all things mascul uh, masculinity and men. Um, and also, we're having an event this year, HotepCon. This is our annual event. This is going to be our third annual event, third time's a charm. Uh, at the Ahern Hotel. Shout out to Brody. Um, wonderful, wonderful time. You're going to have a, a great, great, great time um, at this event. Um, uh, hotepnation.com is where you can get the tickets. Just go to hotepnation.com, hit the HotepCon button, go get your tickets. They're on discount right now. Um, price goes up every week, so make sure you lock in. Super, super low price. All inclusive comes with food. All your food for the for the adoration is taken care of. It's all included. Your hotels included, and our wonderful experiences. And you get to shoot guns with Cannon Hotel. Lastly, uh, I have a product, Master Focus. It's herbal, one hundred percent herbal nootropic. Uh, the vast majority of people who have taken it have seen um, their brain accelerate. It's going to speed up your thinking, increase your mood, give you energy. It's all herbal er, herbs and, 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 and flowers and seeds and nuts. Uh, so you're really going to enjoy that. Uh, that's at trymasterfocus.com. Use coupon code 10 off. If you watch this channel, in fact, I have a better discount for you. If you get if you get a subscription, I will go in and I will manually change it to a super low price. But you just have to email me after you get your subscription. I will go in there and I will change your price manually in the back end and give you I don't, I don't like to talk about it because the price is so low, but I will go in manually and I will reduce your monthly fee uh, because you support this channel. This is only for my YouTube channel uh, listeners. That's at TriMaster Focus. This is what I use to keep high energy. I do a lot of reading. I play chess, so my brain is always being pushed to the max. So if you're one of those people who's a big brain person, you're always tackling intellectual things. You're always having to use your brain. You want to power through the day. You want to get more hours out of the day. Uh, this is our all natural remedy to that. Um, so that's at TrimasterFocus.com. Um, once again, I am that Hotep Jesus dude. This is Alex Jones right here. Hotep, you're a genius. HotepJesus.com. And new, nil, just now added to the soundboard. You think I don't love Hotep Jesus? I love that guy. He's terrific. Shout out to Scott Adams for making it to the soundboard. Jabari Judy says, see you guys tonight at the Patreon Zoom meeting. Yes. Zoom meeting tonight. Thank you for reminding me. Patreon.com. Uh, we do a Zoom meeting once a month with all of our Patreon subscribers. Patreon.com slash Hotel has been told you. So we're doing a VIP thing in about two hours here with the team. Looking forward to that. So I'll see y'all there shortly. Um, and to the rest of y'all, y'all know the phrase. Um, Hotel and Bill. To me then, I bet they feel me now. Don't let me lose it. The booth not about to prove it. I set goals and pursue it. You the best to never do it. That's my money talking fluent, stupid, ducking the Judas. It broke my heart, but over my eyes, you have no honor, I have no choice. 
chasing the commas till I'm gone. I've been left for a minute. On my way home, mama, I promise, got caught up in it. Damn. Everybody eats when I'm batting at the plate. First, second, third, home million dollar, baby.